What's good, fam? Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope y'all are having a great week. We sure are having a great week because this is the week that our book came out. Christian and I, Christian and I, Two almost corrected me on my English, so I just gotta go ahead and say my grandma's watching me talk and it's making me nervous. We had a book come out and we are so excited about it. It's called How to Put Love First. Go get your copy. It's a 90-day devotional challenge, so you can go through 90 days by yourself or we encourage you to do it in your community. Do it with your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend, your mama, your daddy, whoever is in your community that you wanna go through this challenge with. We encourage you to do it. I just believe it's gonna be so strengthening for your life. This is not just for the people who are married or dating. This is for the single. This is for everyone. Because how to put love first is not talking about how to put your man first. It's talking about how to put God first in your life. Because if God is first in your life, then love will flow from there. So we're so excited about it. We hope that you love it. If you take the challenge, if you're reading it with us, please tag us on Instagram. But today I have two very special guests on the podcast. I already mentioned Two Mama is here, which I know y'all are so excited about because you all love Two Mama. But many of you, you have not met two papa. And so I have two mama and two papa, my grandparents, my mom's parents on the podcast. And I am just so excited that y'all have joined me today. So thank you. Good to be here. We're excited. Yes. And I have to say, I did bring two mama along with two papa because you just never know what this man is going to say. <laughs> so so I brought two mama for help just in case you start telling Laffy Taffy jokes. And I don't That's know right. if you can see it, but if she grabs my arm, you'll know why. No, I'll just be like gently. <laughs> if the story needs to go to some other direction. Like, <laughs> <laughs> two mama is the best. I can't wait for y'all to get to know him, but he does say some crazy stuff sometimes. So we got to have two mama there for help. But okay, how long have y'all been? married 52 two years 50 it'll be 50 years. yeah 52 yeah in december 52 december, december. 27th yeah that is crazy that's years. amazing so they've been yeah. married 52 years um they are just the best grandparents ever and y'all are pretty much two mama and two papa to everyone who knows y'all yeah, adults and children alike it's true yeah. and most yeah. of my friends are like i don't even know their real names They're i know <laughs> people tell people tell me that at the conference yeah you know, a couple they, weeks ago, they were like i don't even know your name that's yeah, so funny <laughs> they're the best um so before we jump into all the things that i want to ask y'all about just the reason why i wanted two mama two about to come on the podcast is two papa gave the speech the other day um in western area where we live and it was at the Chamber of Commerce. Commerce, yes. And they'd asked him to talk about just the things that he's done with business and things he's even done for our city and stuff. And so he was sharing and I was like shocked. Me, Bella, John Luke, Rebecca, we were all there. And we, so many things you were saying, I would look at two mom, I'd be like, what? Y'all did this? You did that? What? And at the end of it, you asked me, did you learn anything from that? And I was like, I think the biggest thing I learned is how humble you are because of how much I just learned because I didn't know so many of those things. And I mean, that this is who y'all are. Like you all do a lot and you make a huge impact, but not everybody has to know. And a lot of people know my other grandparents, which is awesome. Mel Campbell, Phil are amazing, but y'all have done so much. It just might not be on TV that has made so much impact around the world and on our family. And y'all are truly like second parents to us. And so I just am so excited for people to get to know all the stuff that y'all have done and who y'all are. Um, but first, since our book did come out yesterday, I just want to ask y'all the question. After being married 52 years and living life together, how do y'all put love first in your life? How do we put love first in our life? You know, I think when you've been married 52 years, I was 18 when we got married. And 
if you put God first, you don't know any other way, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, good. it's just a reflection of who you are if you continue to put God first in your life. Now, in 52 years of marriage, can we say that we didn't ever fight or any of those kinds of things? No, that's ridiculous. Of course we did. did. But again, because God was first in our relationship, we were always able to work things out and get back back to the love and, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's things we always did, of course, to keep God in, in the marriage is go to church, never missed a Sunday morning unless we're out of town. And uh, took the kids and uh, the grandkids. And mm-hmm. so uh, he was always most important. And uh, one thing we've always done, which uh, is uh, really makes a difference, is just every time there's a prayer, public, private, or whatever, first thing that happens is we hold hands. Mm-hmm. And so doing that for 50 or 53 years, even before we were married, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that draws us together. And uh, it gives you a good feeling when that happens. That's so It's sweet. a little connector, you I know. I love that. And yes. I think that, like, sometimes, like, even on the way to church, everybody knows there may be a fuss or fight. But then you get there, and then you reach across for prayer. Then you go, okay, you. we're centered back again where we need to be. Yeah. And, you know. That's awesome. I love that so much. That's so good. That's so sweet. I can, like, imagine every girl listening to this podcast being like, oh, this goal's right there. That's so good. And also, let me say, too, that we did those intentional things like like you and Christian are already doing, you know, with um, we went to marriage date. retreats and mm-hmm. went, to, went on dates and traveled out of town, you know, those kind of things. And those years that you're starting right now when the kids are all little— that's when it's really important to continue to do that because yeah. you're going to have so many more years without kids. Yep. yep. So you got to at least like the person. It's so true. <laughs> have a relationship with that person. Yeah. Uh, when that's all setting that, because that's all super fun. You know how much I love that. You know, yep. I'm the ball game and I'm at all. I want to be at all the things. Yeah. But you, you're you're going to go back to that first couple yeah relationship and here's something to remember too is that i read somewhere one time that uh, people change about every 10 years and so 10 years after you're married you're going to wake up and say who's that guy (laughs) who's she (laughs) and you've got to fall in love again all over again with that new person yeah that you're with now that's good and grow together and change together which that's so good because you know you hear all the time like people never change but i've heard y'all say that before that no you do change people do do change and falling in love with who you change to be together and like not letting that make you go apart, but refalling in love and making that an intentional thing. And I love that you said that because one thing that I think we talk about in this book, but I'm also already writing my next book and I'm making a big point about this is that, you know, we make this thing with God. It's like, oh, we have to have like our 10 minutes of quiet time or else like we didn't do our time with God. And I'm, I'm just trying to like relieve you of the pressure of that, that God's not mad at you because you didn't spend the 10 minutes with him. In fact, like it's not just about 10 minutes. Your relationship with God should be 24 seven. You know, it, it's an always thing. Just like for me, a Christian, do I love to go on a date with him? Yes. Does that help me fall in love with him? Yes. But that's not all of our relationship. We're going to go back home to the kids and that's just as much a part of our relationship. And we're going to have mundane moments and that's just as much a part of our relationship and all those different things and so i view like those 10 minutes or the quiet times that we get with god as like a date with god you get that sweet time you get that intentional time 
but then it's a 24-7 relationship. And that way you're not beating yourself up because you're like, oh, I didn't have that specific 10 minutes. It's like, oh, well, maybe you didn't get to go on a date today, but you're still in relationship. You're still in communication with him. And so I love that. Yes, being intentional about your relationship. Keep dating each other. Do the fun things, but also know that like there are going to be seasons of your life that are not going to be as fun or not going to be as exciting, but you still have to be in that love together. But we have to remember that God never changes, even though we do. Yeah. And so he's always the center. Yeah. Always go back to him for your anchor. It's good. To then That's good. mend any relationship relationship issues you're having as two papa tells more of his story like in the business world then um you'll also see as he he tells because he was super super busy young dad and i was a, a young mom with three little kids and so you know we lived through all the things of yep. the super busy and um am i are we gonna have a chance to go out to eat or we get which sometimes there are weeks without that mm-hmm. you know yeah but you know you still it's good. Move on. I love that. I know so many people are like leaning into this conversation already now because they're like, okay, I'm young married. I want to be 52 years down the road. Some people here are listening and they're moms and they've been married for 15, 20 years. And they're like, how do we make it the long haul? And so you're in a good place. Listen to a good place. And maybe some of you are single and maybe you're pursuing business. Well, just get ready because Tupac's business career, it might shock you because there's so many different pieces to your business career that shocked me because of how much, um, impact you made on these big things that so many people know about um but maybe people don't know you're the guy that was such a big part of it but before we get there because i know you listen to my podcast tupama is my biggest fan literally one day on facebook it's like my public facebook page has like a million followers or whatever it it was like who are your top fans and no joke on my (laughs) top fans out of a million people not knowing this man is my grandpa it was john howard (laughs) it was john howard he has every newspaper article that's ever been written about me he has every like lanyard of any uh, LO <laughs> thing he's come to of mine so this man I know listens to the What's Good podcast so Chupo, what is your best piece of advice that you've ever been given Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, 
thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just now on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500 500. That's audible, A U D I B L E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500 500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Well, as it relates to marriage, and it's something for all you young marriage to remember, and those seven year itch marriage that, uh, uh, you may be wondering about is that uh, I'm not sure if I read this somewhere or heard it in my mind. I made it up, but I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Either way is possible. <laughs> so uh, it occurred to me, or again, I read somewhere that uh, the golden rule, I know this is mine. The golden rule is not for marriage. The golden rule was written for your relationship with your unrelated people or you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you because because you don't know how they want to be treated but in the marriage relationship it's important that you treat you practice the platinum rule do unto others as they want to be treated because i know in our early years i treated chris as i wanted to be treated well, she didn't really like that. She didn't want to be treated that way. And just think of all aspects of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, There are ways that she prefers not to do it that way. And as I learned that, then I realized, realized it was not right for me to continue to treat her as I want to be treated, but I need to start treating her how she wants to be treated. That's good. And so that's a key point. That's so good. I love that because people are so different. Like Christian and I are so different. And it is important. Like we've learned to communicate the way that we want to be treated because I wouldn't even think about those things for Christian because he's so different than me. And he wouldn't think about those things for me because I'm so different than him. But that communication is so key because then you're like, oh, well, I can do that. Like yeah. I can treat you like that. Yeah. And then As you, you learn see, those yes, things. You have to learn those things. Person, then you can be better at treating them the way they would rather be treated. It's good. Not the way you, you want to be treated. Yeah. Two mama's still hoping I'd get around to doing <laughs> 52 years in hey it's okay y'all still got yeah. more time y'all are That's looking right. good y'all are looking good okay so let's get into some of your stories you about us so um i mentioned you've been a part of some big things that you know i think most people might be shocked to hear some of the things that you've been a part of one thing that i think is so cool about your dad and uh people won't know um alton howard and all the things that he's done for especially this town but even the world tell a little bit about your dad as a businessman an entrepreneur and some of the things that you just got to see growing up um, that your dad did. Cool. Okay. So when he got out of World War II, he came home, uh, didn't have a job, didn't know what to do. His older brother, he had come home before my dad did, and he found a job at a shoe store in Mobile, Alabama. Mm -hmm. 
So he tells my dad, come down, I can get you a job. And so he goes down there and he gets one and they end up becoming the managers of two different Tom McCann stores in Mobile. And of course they learned a lot about business there. And so that was a really good stepping stone for them. They came back home because their older brother, V.E., said, y'all need to open a jewelry store in Monroe. Now, we come to find out, he said, I'll give you all, a lot of my merchandise, just give it to you. Well, what would, they didn't realize is it was all his overstuff and junk that they couldn't sell. <laughs> so they had a sort full of stuff, you know, like that. And then, of course, they bought other stuff, too. So it was an interesting beginning of their business. But it was very successful. So that, that was their first joint into business together as partners. Early 1950s, a guy by the name of H.R. Gibson opened up a novelty gift and health and beauty aids wholesale business in West Texas. Well, this town he was in was too, didn't have enough retailers to really sell enough merchandise to them to stay in business. He's going to go busted. So he said, what am I going to do? And he put up a sign on the side of the building that said, wholesale to everyone. Hmm. And he let the public in. And, of course, it went crazy because, you know, the public was used to paying retail at every place else in town. And here they go in here and get it for half price or whatever. So they just went crazy and it went crazy. And he started opening others. And so V.E. saw that, that brother that lived in Texas. And so he and the two brothers here went out to visit with Mr. Gibson's and said, we would like to do this in our communities. Won't you, why don't you start franchises and franchises? Let us be your first franchisees. And so they worked out a deal. And ultimately, Mr. Gibson had over 700 franchises around the country. Wow. So but your dad's was the first. But my yeah. dad and, and the brother. So they opened the first one in Greenville, Texas. My dad and uncles opened the first one here in West Monroe uh, the same year in 1959. Mm. Um, and so, in fact, initially on the side of our buildings, we put up that thing that said wholesale to everyone because no one would know what it is. It's just yeah. another general store or yeah. whatever it is. And so uh, that told people the kind of prizes we were going to have. So anyway, it was a, a, a great start. In 1962, other entrepreneurs saw this thing phenomenon in Texas and Louisiana and everything and uh, decided to copy it. And so Kmart, Walmart, and Target, all three opened their first discount store in 1962, three years after we did. Wow. So that was the beginning of the discount store industry. That's crazy. That's so cool. Okay, so you grew up seeing that, seeing your dad do that. Mm -hmm. um, your dad also did a lot of things in the church too, which is really cool. And that's a whole nother story. Um, but just entrepreneur and a heart that loved the Lord and wanted to make a, a big difference in the world. So then you go to college. We're fast forwarding a lot here, but you sure. go to college and you come back home and you start taking over the business with your dad, start working with him? Mm -hmm. We had, by then we hit in, in, actually in 1969, we went public and dropped the Gibson's franchise and the Gibson's name. We became Howard Brothers Discount Stores, mm. Inc. And so went public, raised a lot of money, started opening a lot more stores. I got there in 73. I took over budgeting and uh, created an open-to-buy system and wrote a employee handbook for the employees and everything. Which is all amazing to me when I think back. It's crazy. He was just 22. Yeah. And he goes to work as vice president of this major company that at that point had how many stores did y'all have? At that point, we must have had about uh, 
60 40 40 or 50 at that point. Yeah. okay and 40. tell us because you were you know. working on all these spreadsheets and didn't you say like you didn't have a computer yeah the computer we had was this big monster thing it was as big as this room oh the biggest this room gosh. and all it did was just take care of the accounting it wow. did you couldn't program it to do all the right. stuff that yeah. like i was doing so i had this spreadsheet that columns 60 columns that you folded out to Wow. And I had to write the store number and the store name at the top and then all the calculations, whether it was a budget or whether it was the open to buy and calculation. And you're doing all that on I'm a calculator. I always do that on a calculator and a pencil. For, for years, <laughs> wow. if I, if I asked him any town, he could tell me the store number it was, like 33, you know. Wow. 47. Mississippi. Yeah, see, That's <laughs> he would remember crazy. them because he had to do all this accounting by hand. Wow. And Another thing that's fascinating to me, Sadie, when when we were young married, I used to tell him I've never seen somebody work a calculator that fast. But wow. that's what he had to do so much. It that's was like crazy. his hands were like super. Well, you said the other day you like burnt out so many calculators. Yes. And I was like, I didn't even know they could burn out. I've never gotten that far. <laughs> yeah. I never but used they were, it that they were paper. That was back in the old days. And paper came out. You know, he put oh. the paper in it. See? Yeah, I was but I'm like, talking about what? The, the whole thing the whole, just stop. Yeah. So you get another one. It wasn't electronic. That's yeah. crazy. So. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you're doing all this. You have all these stores. And then what, what happens? And so in 1978, we sold the company with 78 stores to Gamble Scogmo. Uh, stayed on and helped them for a couple of years. Actually grew it from 78 to 110 stores. Wow. They gave us lots of money to expand. And so it would hold us more store. But then just two years later, they decided they want to be in that business. Wow. So they sold it to the Wix company. And then Wix started operating it. Uh, by then, we had all left. Uh, and uh, that didn't work out well for them, sadly, or for us. Because uh, we were sad to see those stores close, but they went filed bankruptcy and closed all the stores, and so I had to scramble. We had to get all those stores rented or sold very quickly so that we could pay our mortgages, and so I spent the really till today, but uh, uh, exclusively for a couple of years. That's all I did. I sold them to or rented them to Kmart, Walmart, Brookshire's, Super One. Uh, other retailers around, so we found a place for all of them uh, in a in a fairly short period of time. Back before cell phones, every time we went on vacation or anywhere, we stopped at nearly every payphone. Wow! We had to have a pocket full of quarters. Wow! Because he was always calling and checking on a property or wow. checking on something, and almost every town we went to, yeah, there was one to look at because we had and sometimes every day during yeah. the. Uh, vacation at the condo. Yeah, I had to go into town to find the payphone. Wow! And uh, uh, yes, call okay. And see so what's I going want to on. ask you because we're in a generation where what I'm seeing from a generation is, and we even saw this last night on Survivor. So yes, if you watch Survivor, we just we've watched faithfully <laughs> since I was three years old. And this new cast, it's kind of sad because it kind of feels like it's showing us a glimpse of what our generation's looking like, and it's like. 
people just don't like to work hard. They uh, tend to be more soft. They don't want to work hard. They're like scared of burnout. They they don't really want to work. You only work to have a paycheck, but then like you do your other things on the side and it just feels like we don't want to work hard. But you worked super hard and not only did you work hard, but it seems like as a generation, y'all worked hard. Everybody not did. to mention your parents, like your dad, who you just said, mm-hmm. once he got home from the war, then he started working at a shoe, sh- uh, shoe shop. Then he started to become to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Then he went texting and all that stuff. It just seems like that was such a value back then. Mm-hmm. And now it's like such a, oh, I got to work, you know, mm-hmm. and then, oh, it's too hard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, what have you seen just like the benefits and the value of working beyond just like getting a paycheck? Do you think working hard had actually like made you have a better life? <laughs> Yes. And I think the why it is, is because you have to look at all that stuff that you're doing, working hard. It's for others is that you're doing it to help others uh, have good jobs. I remember that we had 3,000 employees, 3,500 employees when we wow. sold yeah. wow. our brother discount stores. And I remembered in one sense, the sigh of relief, because I worried about those 3,500 people every night. Yeah. Uh, that we were doing the right things for them so that they could have yeah. good jobs and earn more and that kind of thing. And so if you understand I'm doing this for others, not for myself, then you're going to do the right thing. You're going to work hard mm-hmm. because those people deserve it. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And you know what's sad is I think maybe the reason why we don't work as hard is because we also are a generation that looks out for ourselves. It's like we want we want to succeed. We want to reach the top. We want to have the most followers. We want to have the success. And it's like that's not how you should look at working. Maybe that's why it's so exhausting because it's all for you. And But if you view it for others and you're giving to others, maybe it's even for your family, for your community, for your people, then you're like, oh, I can do this because I want them to have a better life. And I think that you have to remember that everything pendulum swing, you know, mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. And we did go through a time where we were very work oriented, seemed like society to young people are looking back at our generation and saying, oh, they were just so work oriented. But I think you do have to answer the question, why? For one thing, I think God designed us to work. Yeah. And w- that's what we're here for is to carry on jobs and then like johnny was pointing out when you realize that you're who you're working for you're working for the lord yeah and so that you can do more things with the the money that you gain from that you're able to do the good things that maybe we'll get a chance to talk about later on but you know you have to um i think you just have to realize it, it was a different time yeah but at the same time maybe some of the things that some young people are experiencing today they would be would benefit from just going out and doing just something working. and working yeah. a little bit harder and, so and the true. self-satisfaction that comes with that and you know, so the growth true. and all those things, maturity. That's good. You know. I love that. That's so good. That's so needed. So y'all did that. You have so many, there's so many parts of the story and we could spend forever on each part of the story. But then fast forward to when y'all open up a publishing company. So this, from my understanding, came out of because Pepple Howard wanted to write, he started writing songs like hymns and then he was like, where do I put my my hymns? And, and, no new, and he decided. Oh, no new hymnal coming out, so he had no place to pitch his songs to. So he said, well, I'll just do my own. So he decides to write yeah. his own. And and back in that those days, there was co- no computer, no CCLI that where you can look at and you can see the best songs to 
the uh, top 100 songs in America sung in churches today, and you could compile a hymnal with the best songs. Well, back then, he had to write churches all over the country and say, give me your top 10 songs or the songs you're singing. So in fact, we have a trunk full of hymnals that he pulled wow. from that he to so create cool. the hymnal that he created wow. because you couldn't Google anything. Yeah. It's everything is more tedious work wow. to accomplish anything. So, that is crazy. Yeah. So he published the first one in 1971. And of course it was, he was going crazy with the discount stores and the jewelry store and everything. So it was just a hobby. You know, he just, uh, we don't know how churches found out about them. I mean, they word of mouth, you know, there was yeah. no advertising or, way to contact right. him or anything. Wow. So the no word, social networking. The word got wow. out. And so right out of his garage and his kitchen, we were shipping books. Uh, Chris, we, we, we were building a house at part of that time. And so she was living at the house. And so she was taking books to the uh, post office. This is how we shipped them in those days uh, with my dad's station wagon. Wow. And my sisters did that too. With uh, the kids. With yeah. no car crazy. seats. Oh yeah, those days. <laughs> the old days. And so uh, that just rocked along all these years as yeah. just a hymnal mm -hmm. publisher. Uh, when we sold Super Saver, I said, okay, what's my next thing? Uh, and I said, I think I can take the publishing company and turn it into just a full spectrum publishing company, not just hymn books, but yeah. books, Christian living books and everything. So in 1990, I took over Howard Publishing as president and hired our best friends from college and said, let's do this. Thing. Who had no publishing experience. Wow. None of us did. None. And so it was I all on the it. job training. And, uh, and we were going to go after the biggest authors, you know, in Christendom. And we learned that we had to have a history of selling books before they're going to come with us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so, uh, we were brainstorming one day about what we could do. What else we could do. How, what else we could yeah. do to, to sell more books. And, you know, we by then we maybe had a dozen authors and uh, some success, but not bestseller success. And so uh, somebody was talking about one of our authors had a book of stories. And those stories were just so sweet. And somebody said, you know, his stories are like a warm hug. And somebody said, that's it. Let's put together some books with some of his stories in a little gift book. Mm -hmm. And it'll be different. Most gift books back then was just a scripture and a picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were a quote. A quote. Quote, a quote quotes a quote, a were picture. gift books. Yeah. yeah. That and was so this had a wow. two or three page story yeah. and a quote. And a quote. And, and a scripture. And a scripture. Yeah. And so that made ours more uh, interesting and palatable to the public. And so... We put those out and they went crazy. Uh, in 1993 is when the first one came out. Uh, in just a few years, we had 30 different titles. Started out Hugs for Mom, Hugs for Dad, Hugs for Friends, that kind of thing. In fact, your parents did Hugs for Dogs. Pet really? Pet lovers, pet lovers. Hugs for Pet Lovers. I was lovers. in the pictures of yeah, some of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're, you're on the cover of Hugs for Grandma. Yes. <laughs> and if you follow Two Mom on Instagram, you see her Monday Hugs. So this is this is what she used to do with these hug books. So yeah. Monday Hug is a continuation now of what was so successful back then. And tell how many copies y'all sold. So uh, in no time, and the difference was... We weren't now no longer just in Christian bookstores because these weren't the uh, the uh, hallmarks mm -hmm. of the world. Uh, 
there was at that time like 8,500 Christian bookstores. Mm -hmm. There were 65,000 general market gift stores. Yeah. So all of a sudden we have a lot bigger market. And the Barnes and Nobles and those kind of people wanted to carry them. Yeah. So we just opened up. And so we sold 11 million copies of Hugs million. during that So time. let me just put this into perspective for y'all. If you follow me on Instagram, I have a pretty large following. I've been putting up books for a little while now. And a lot of you guys have bought my books, which is, bought my books, which is such a blessing. And it's huge. So Live is probably my biggest book. I have like a plaque from the book company that sent it to me, uh, sent me a plot because I reached 250,000 book sales, which is huge. And I was so excited about it. And they celebrated that for me. But just for reference, 250,000 books is huge enough that my publishing company would send me a plaque and they sold 11 million copies of these hug books. So this was not just like a small thing. Y'all were running a publishing company with no publishing experience from Western or Louisiana and there's 11 million copies being sold of the gift book that y'all started, which then made the public go, who is Howard Publishing? Right. And so right. then y'all started getting big authors. So some of the, some of the authors y'all worked with, I mean, y'all worked with, um, Oh, Max Licato, Max Licato Rick, Warren, Rick Warren, just like the Zig big Ziglar, yeah, the Ireland, so big people, Lisa Welchel. Yeah. This is crazy, and lots of music industry people. Yes, because of our ability to get into the gift store market, that lent an opening for music musicians to use their words in yeah. a gift book. Wow. So we, we call did it the artist point, devotional series, wow. Point of Grace for him. A lot of the older ones, wow. so that opened Christian up artists. a big so, door even for for me like so many people that i meet are like oh i know your grandparents because i worked with them so like lisa harper yeah she was on my podcast she was like yep. i love your grandparents before <laughs> anyone knew who i was they helped me with my books and stuff like that so like it's cool for me because in the world that i'm in now so many people know y'all from howard publishing and when we started writing books i want stuck dynasty happened which we're going to get to that in just a second that's next because two papa had a big part to play and even us being in the warehouse where i'm filming this podcast right Right now um y'all helped us write our books y'all helped us edit our books because you edited for so many years you know so much about the book industry and so the wisdom that y'all had to help us with what we've done is just huge i mean even christian's like working on devotional right now and he was like i'm gonna send my edits to two mama like let her edit it so it's just really crazy because no one knows that you know like that y'all did all that kind of stuff and we think it's just a god thing i mean yes. the whole journey it is a god the whole thing. journey is just a god thing we think that God was preparing us. When I left teaching school to join the publishing company, knowing nothing about the publishing company, I think God put me in training yes. to help y'all down the true. road. I mean, God was just like, wait, you don't know why you're here. Yeah. You really love teaching, but for some reason, I'm going to put you in this desk in this publishing company and with me going, I don't have a clue. What yeah. do I do today? My yeah. first day. And, and now I know he was just saying, you're in school. Because yeah. I'm, I'm teaching you so okay. that down the road, when Doug Dynasty happens, your family's going to need support. Miss Kay's going to need a cookbook written. Yeah, so Two Mama yeah. actually wrote Mama Kay's cookbook for her. Two Mama's not really a cook, but she's a writer. So she I'm took Mama Kay's uh, <laughs> recipes and made it into the book. And yes. so you've been a part of so many of the Duck Dynasty books. books. And 
pretty much all of them you had a hand in it, but you even wrote some of them. And so, I mean, this is crazy. Like, no, I bet y'all didn't know that. And it's so shocking. But that just to say, I love what she's saying, because some of you are in places in your life where you're like, why am I here? What is this job? This feels so random. This I don't have any experience in here. I thought I was going to be teaching. I'm better at teaching, but somehow I'm in this desk publishing, editing books. But you just don't know what God is doing in your life, what tools he's put in your toolbox that you're going to bust out later and be like, thank God I was sitting in that publishing seat, you know? And what seems insignificant in one season could actually be like the most significant skill set you have in another. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and Chris started writing books too for us. And so during that Which was a shock. Period <laughs> of time like, that we wait, owned I don't, her I don't publishing, write books. <laughs> we sold over a million copies of hers. Yeah. And crazy. back that to the hymnal, crazy. we sold three million hymnals. That is during that crazy. Time. So it I mean, was crazy. So much success in that. So then there comes a point where Simon & Schuster, which many of y'all probably heard of Simon & Schuster, if you know anything about the book world, it's a big publishing company, and they came to buy Howard Publishing. And so y'all sold it. Yeah, 2006, they came calling. They had been in the publishing business before and and just- In the Christian In public. the Christian publishing yeah. business before and just- used one of their own editors to try to do it. And so they, they didn't really know the market and everything. So they closed that. And then they saw how big, much, how big the other New York city publishers, Christian divisions were doing well. So they decided we got to get back into it. We're going to do it right then. We need to buy one of the publishers. And when they heard about us with the gift stores that they weren't in, they saw that as 65,000 more customers to sell to even our own books mm-hmm. other publishers books within the uh imprints within uh simon schuster so they came calling same thing happened made his offer we couldn't refuse and so uh we sold it to him chris and i and the whole team stayed on for three years uh they made me executive vice president of simon schuster and the publisher of the howard imprint for them and so Crazy. i spent going back and forth between New York and West Monroe, uh, taking care of that business for those three years. Three years out, they decide that uh, Nashville is the Christian Mecca because uh, uh, several they other didn't Christian... didn't quite buy West Monroe being it. <laughs> they just didn't know. We've got Not it. Not yet. We've Not got yet. it. That uh, other Christian publishers had headquarters in Nashville. So they said, we're going to move your imprint to, hire, to Nashville. And I said, we're not going. <laughs> and so uh, that's when we retired. And uh, uh, that's awesome. That's crazy. And I remember when y'all retired because I was so happy because you were home more. And oh, yeah. we love being with Two Mama and y'all were working so much because y'all were running a publishing company that was hugely successful. And so that was all crazy. So all of this is before Doug Dynasty. Now, what's about to happen, I think, is really crazy. So one cool story is Two Papa actually is the one that bought DuckCommander.com and started a website because Pebble Phil, if you know anything about Pebble Phil, doesn't have a phone, doesn't have a computer, and didn't you tell him, like, you need to do this? And he's like, no. Yeah, well, I saw Amazon. You know, they started in 93 just selling books, and in 97 they added uh, music, and I started going crazy. I said, Phil, it's 1997. You got to be on the Internet. You got to have your products out there. And he said, I don't think about that. I'm not buying a computer. And I said, can I use the name DuckCommander.com and buy products from you to uh, settle the public? And he said, sure, go ahead. Uh, there was another side to that, though. 
uh, over those few years as he was growing his business, he was needing to buy more and more inventory and needed the money. And so he, he asked us if we would loan him some money for a period of time. And so those loans began to grow because he was growing. You have more inventory you need, you got to borrow more money. And so, uh, man, how are we ever going to get paid back? Because it keeps growing, which is a good thing. Uh, and so but he didn't have a website. So, so you're I like, said, so, okay, I'm going to sell this, do this website, but here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to take the product from you. And, but instead of paying you for the products, I'm going to pay your loan back. Hmm. And I mean, you're going to pay your loan back with the money I give you for yeah. the product. And so in no time, he's out of debt. Well, uh, he's making money off of us on documentary.com. And in 2010, we sold it to your parents uh, for the just just the value of the inventory that yes. they were they were taking on, and uh, so could be their best purchase they've ever. Yeah, purchased. that might be their best purchase they ever made. So my dad, my mom and dad decided to take over Duck Commander, um, and that was whenever I was younger. And I remember like. It was I guess somewhere around that same time. Probably close to middle school age for me. And they were running Duck Commander out of our garage. So, like, our garage was like all t shirts, duck calls. All, it's back to the early um, higher yeah, publishing the, days. All <laughs> yeah. of the things. Yes, it was like craziness. And then, um, you know, of course, my dad ended up getting us a show on Duck Commander. It was a Duck Commander family show on the Outdoor Channel. But this was before it was big or anything like that. This was when you're helping. Um, there, My parents were just taking over us out of our garage. It was pretty small, small business at the time. Well, then... It's crazy because this warehouse, where the Duck Commander warehouse is, if you have watched Duck Dynasty, you've seen the warehouse, and many of you have even stopped by on your interstate stop to see the Duck Commander warehouse. You might have done the tour here. We record podcasts here. This is the Duck Commander warehouse. But before it was the Duck Commander warehouse, it was the Howard Publishing Books warehouse. So what year was it that you sold everything? Okay, we sold the company in 2006. Okay. In 2009... We still hadn't sold it. The, the empty building the, yeah, hadn't sold the the empty, yeah. they hadn't sold the empty building yet. And uh, Willie calls me one day and says, "Pop, the uh, there's a flood coming on the Washtenaw River, and of course you know when that happens, it floods right up to Phil's house. And Phil's warehouse at the time was storage buildings in his front yard." So every time he'd need more room for inventory, he'd just buy another storage building. Which is still there. So the front, yeah, right. for his front yard has all these storage buildings around it. So, of course, Willie said, we're fixing to lose everything in the stock in these buildings because they're going to go into water. So could we borrow your warehouse for a few weeks, put our stuff in, kind of operate out of there until uh, the flood subsides, and then we'll bring it all back down here. Well, it's 2023, and they're still here. They never left. Yep. So that was so how. So that's and, how they got in the warehouse. Yeah. Now the happiest person in that whole deal was Miss Kay, because she had to cook for all her all those employees that worked down in her yard and in her house every lunch. So she had a, a whole bunch of hungry boys yep. at her table every single day of the week, yeah. and now she's like, oh. They're up there. They're up there. <laughs> and they can go yep. to McDonald's if they want to eat. That's so true. So Willie moved it to the warehouse, which was way bigger than he needed because storing books is more than a little duck haul. 
But he was convinced that he was going to grow the company. And then, of course, what happened was... Yeah. Um, so 2012, 2012, Duck Dynasty started. So get this. 2009, the flood's coming. So my dad's like, can we move everything to this warehouse? Well, it seemed massively big for what they had at the time. Because it was a relatively small business for 30,000 square 5, feet. 000. They needed, yeah. They did not need the space. Well, then in 2012... When Duck Dynasty started, so just for reference, before then, in a typical year, they would sell about 80,000 duck calls. That would be pretty typical. The year Duck Dynasty started, they had to, um, I think they sold 1.2 million duck calls. So in one year, 80,000 duck calls to 1.2 million duck calls. And so then they absolutely needed a 30,000 square foot warehouse. And it was like scramble. It was crazy. I remember everybody being up here for Christmas, people who didn't work here, people who were just friends, family just to get these orders out and now this warehouse is not only um yes it still has the duck commander stuff there's even another building that has duck commander stuff it's hosting podcasts it's where um my parents like have all the like it's hosting so many different things but at the time it just felt like can we just move there while it floods and so it's just crazy how god just provided and all the provision along the way for what we needed at the time when we needed it and then too papa because Corey and Willie were so busy filming the show, he came to work for Duck Commander yeah. and stayed here until 2020. So, you know, again, God's just like the whole journey. Had an office here. And all everything. the way through, yeah. And yeah. So it really is crazy how much of your story has been a part of all of our story. And one of the things I learned when I was listening to you is I, I would not have thought I'm so much like you until I heard everything that you shared. And I go, that's where I get that from, you know? And I'm thinking, that's what I get from mom, but that's what she got from you, you right. know? And just seeing the legacy trickle down, it was just really, really cool. The the heart for, even some of the things that you said, I mean, um, y'all, Howard Publishing won, you said five years in a row, the best Christian place to work and uh, Christian like atmosphere environment to work in. And some of the things that you said, I was like recording because I was like, I want to do that at our office. And I was like, we do that at our office. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've seen y'all do that. I've seen my parents do that. I want to do that. And you've just created such an amazing legacy. And I think this is really cool too, because like I mentioned, a lot of people know my other grandparents and a lot of people, you know, know the Robertson family name, but without the Howard family, um, the Robertson family wouldn't be doing what the Robertson family is doing because of what, who y'all are and what y'all have done. And I think sometimes, you know, like I said, we're all looking out for ourselves. Sometimes in this generation, we want to be the name, we want to be the thing. But some of us, like, you might not be the cover photo, you know, you might not be the big name, but your role and who you are and you showing up to work is so important because if it didn't happen, the impact would not happen. Like today, Today, actually, as we're recording this podcast, the blind movie came out and it's a story of Phil and Kay's life. Um, but, you know, all of the things that Duck Dynasty happened, it might not even happen if Tupapa never said, Phil, you need a website. We need to get duckcommander.com up there. And so your part has a huge part to play in the story of history. And just don't underlook your part because your name isn't known around the world. What if your impact is, you know? And your impact certainly is all around the world in so many cool spaces and unique spaces. Um, you said a quote that day when you shared the speech and I loved it. And it was um, in reference to kind of Pebble Howard when you talked about you plant trees so that others uh, can be in the Warren shade. Bucket, Warren Buffett said uh, someone planted a tree that someone else 
will be resting under the shade of many years down the road. Mm. I love that. But I love that you said we're not just supposed to sit under the shade, though, mm -hmm. but we have to plant more trees so that our grandkids and the next generation can do that. And I just love that because I even think about the neighborhood that we all live in. And many of you know that that's a thing. We kind of all live in the same place. And that was started by my great grandpa, Alton Howard. Mm -hmm. And he literally planted trees that we're literally sitting under the shade of. And I'm like, I am so grateful to sit under this legacy and to sit in this place. But at the same time, I'm not just gonna sit because we have Honey and Haven coming up. We have their future kids coming up. What seeds can we plant for that generation, uh, you know, to, to get to enjoy? But then what are they gonna plant, you know? And you said it earlier, like, we are meant to work. We're designed to work. Like God put Adam in charge of the garden. He got to name the animals. He got to tend that place. And we get to do that with our spaces. And I just love seeing the beauty of like the generations. I, I love that y'all you know didn't just move to nashville but you said there's something here special and it's family and it's things that we've created and started and we have more to do and we have more to give to this place and y'all's life has just lived so selflessly one of my favorite things about y'all is how many people have lived in your home um because two papa only counts if you've lived in his home if you've lived there for over six weeks so how many people have lived in your home for over six weeks i think we just crossed 110 110 <laughs> so what is the importance of not only working hard but giving back in in your mind because one thing i have seen with y'all you've never been selfish with your with the things that you've been given and in fact I know all the successful things in business. I've never heard you say a number. I made you say 11 million books because I just wanted them to know that's really crazy in reference to you know what my books sell, which is really amazing too, but that I just wanted them to know. But you never say numbers. You never brag about, like I know more of what y'all have done for others than what's been given to you. And so what is that importance of giving back and what does that practically look like for y'all right now? Well, it's critically important. You know, uh, Chris and I have always uh, uh, been you know, big givers and help a lot of uh, ministries and stuff around the world. And the impact that those ministries have on uh, the world is more than pays us back for whatever we invested in it. Uh, in fact, my father, he started, uh, in fact, this is its 60th anniversary this Sunday. Mm. Uh, One Kingdom uh, it started out as World Radio. Uh, 60 years ago that my dad started and it it preaches the gospel on radio stations and now on the internet around the world and they've got followers from 70 countries now and that continues to be a big legacy you don't think about that uh, until podcasts came along about mm -hmm. you know how important even in third world countries the radio was mm -hmm. uh, and now the internet and so that's had a big impact uh, and then uh, in 1980s um, we started a relief ministry that's part of that same ministry and uh, we've raised over 80 million dollars for wow. those and, and that's all about relief work people in uh, disasters taking care of them all around the world and of course in the states too wherever the disaster we're there we try to be first on the thing and we want to be the last to leave it's awesome we do it all through churches we don't do anything direct from us to the hand. It's all a church that they're going to to get the money mm -hmm. or get the supplies or whatever we're providing them so that the church 
becomes known in that community as givers and helpers so that those churches can grow and not just feed their bodies, but feed their souls. That's amazing. And not to mention Camp Shioka, which Pepple Howard um, bought the land for, and you all have continued all these years. And Tumama, how many years have you been at camp and worked at camp? Well, it started in 67. I've been there every year, except the second year when my parents went on vacation that year, because <laughs> back in those days, camp was just that one week. So mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't have any choices. So I missed that second year. But other than that, I've been there every, every year. It's crazy. Camp, so. And she's, now she's basically running it. Yeah. She did every job. She was a camper, a counselor, charge of crafts, lifeguard, uh, lifeguard, <laughs> and Bible director. teacher, Bible That's teacher, amazing. and director. That's amazing. And this year, seventy years old, you're out there with two boots, yeah. and you ran the entire thing yep. um, because did. y'all believe in medical the mission. Boots. You believe in the mission. Yes, medical boots, yes. not not cowgirl boots. <laughs> not <fun> boots. <laughs> but she, she, they just pour in because that they believe in what they're doing. And and just real quickly, do you even know how many businesses that you did start? I think there's probably about 30. Okay, so I love that he said this in a speech. He said, just in case you think everything I did turned to gold, it's not true. He started about 30 businesses and about five of those were very successful. And I love how you said it, the five of those made up in, in abundance for the 30, the others, that the 25 that didn't necessarily work out. But I love that he said that because, you know, you're going to have to just try things in life. You're just going to have to go for it sometimes. And some things is not going to work out, but that doesn't mean you are a failure. That doesn't mean you missed it. That doesn't mean you missed your call. And we put so much emphasis on like, you know, if we have one one fail, we're like, we are a failure. And then you just quit. Like, don't quit. Get back up. Learn from that. Start something different. Um, Elon Musk is the same way. You know, he started like all these different things and like four of them have been extremely successful in billion dollar businesses and nobody's talking about the other ones, you know? And so sometimes even along the journey of trying one thing, that's what leads you to the next thing, which leads you to the next. And in all of those things, you grow and you learn and it helps you, again, put more tools in your toolbox. And so we can learn so much from you. We can sit here forever and we could have talked about a million different things, but I hope that was so encouraging to y'all. I know you've learned a lot of life lessons in the midst of those things. Um, And just one thing I just keep hearing what they're saying is, you know, wherever you are, like, so into that place, water the ground there, let it, let it flourish, give it time to do so. I think we're so quick to move to the next thing, to the next place. And if everyone moves to LA and everyone moves to New York and everyone moves to Nashville, you know, that that's cool, you know, but why don't we stay planted where we're at? Give it time to grow the roots, give it time to see something water from the ground, give it time for a harvest to grow. I just think, you know, we've seen such a blessing from generations planting seeds in one place. And we've seen such a harvest from that. And I just want to encourage you where you are at might seem insignificant. Where you are at, you might be looking at everyone else around the world. It seems like they're getting success faster, but just because they're getting it faster doesn't mean it's as long lasting. Doesn't mean it has as much longevity it doesn't have as much fruit that can grow and so trust the process trust where God has you trust your hands uh, to keep working in Ecclesiastes 11 6 it says I'll continue to put your seed in the ground and water I won't get idle with my hands in the evening I'm just gonna keep putting my seed on the ground I don't understand what God's doing I'm gonna let him bring the rain and water and one day I just believe that this is gonna turn to something special so I hope that encourages you right where you are at Um, and we love you guys we hope you have a great great rest of your week. And I hope that you learned so much from this awesome podcast.